On this week's Patriot Collective podcast, we discuss what's driving companies to go woke. Stay tuned. How you doing, my friends, friends and family of the collective? This is your humble host, Carlos de Jesus. I am also the founder of the Patriot Collective, and I'm so excited to be with you today to share with you more things that are on my mind, things that are making my uh, making me scratch my head, and I'm sure they're making you scratch your head and wonder what is going on. And we are seeing companies. Um, nosedive willingly, sacrifice revenue, sacrifice employees, sacrifice the religious folk, um, customers, the traditional customers, um, for an ideology that makes no sense, pretty much, right? So we're seeing Budweiser, we've seen Chick-fil-A now, Bendany, we have seen Kohl's, Home Depot, um, pretty much all the staple companies in the United States of America that we have all um, at some point grew up knowing and respecting so much. And we're seeing this approach to really just dive headfirst into the ground, uh, committing some form of suicide. And I think um, if, and again, it, 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 I, it just can't be me. Um, and I see it all over Twitter. The question is always, I mean, you just saw what happened to Budweiser. Why are you doing this? Why are you choosing to rush headfirst into disaster? And I want to share with you today that there is a method to the madness. There is a reason for the madness. Um, these companies are uh, pretty much doing it intentionally. I can tell you that um, all evidence points to um, these are calculated risks. They know potentially what, what the consequences are. But the truth is there is very little they can do. Just the way they're structured, there's very little they can do. But um, maybe perhaps uh, support a nationalist agenda, um, put America first, put its citizens first, and play that card and grow in revenue and cut off from the globalists. Well, what do you mean? Okay, hold on. You just kind of went way too far. What do you mean globalists? What do you mean they don't have a choice? Well, in order to understand this whole DEI and ESG um, problem that we're in, we have to really kind of get at least a basic understanding what it is. This podcast is not going to go into extreme details as to, you know, Carl Schwab and and um, and the the role that the United Nations has in this and uh, and how this is really at the end of the day. <laughs> This is about really there's an environmentalist movement that wants to have us eat bugs. I know it sounds crazy, but trust me when I say that um, 
it's it's a load of information. And so after this podcast, if if you just sort of decide, hey, let me research for myself, go for it. Please do so. Um, so I'm going to play something that kind of does a really good job summarizing what ESG is, um, what DEI is. They're, they're, they're kind of commingled um, in the sense that they're, they're the other arm, um, the opposite arm um, of one another, but they all are connected to the same beast and, in my opinion, the satanic system. I'll explain further uh, what I mean by that. But I'm going to go ahead and play a video that's going to kind of give a little bit of background of what it is, and then we'll come back to, um, you know, discuss it further. All right. Why do millions of people invest in retirement accounts? Well, the answer is obvious, to have money to live on when you're no longer working. The best way for those accounts to grow is to invest in companies to make a profit. Less profit for those companies means less money for retirement. That might seem like common sense, but it's becoming less common, thanks to a new investment strategy called ESG. ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. If you're wondering what that means, you're not alone. Generally, it means that a company's first concern should no longer be how much money it makes, but rather how much social good it does. In other words, get woke or get shamed. If you're an oil company, for example, you're out of luck because by the nature of your business, it's assumed you're destroying the planet. Never mind that you're powering homes and hospitals, that doesn't count. In fact, if you're a company just trying to make a profit, you're the problem. ESG proponent Klaus Schwab, chairman of the World Economic Forum, puts it this way. We can't continue with an economic system driven by selfish values, such as short-term profit. The message is clear. We need ESG to save us from ourselves. Really? The pursuit of profits has fueled many of mankind's greatest innovations and greatest companies. It led Elon Musk to build electric cars, Andy Grove to design computer chips, and Reed Hastings to develop the world's most popular streaming service. Everything from aspirins to commercial airplanes to, yes, solar panels and wind turbines came about because of the desire for profit. Profit is why you have a job, clothes, a house, food, and every other necessity, not to mention luxuries. It's the reason why you can live in Phoenix and stay cool or live in Buffalo and stay warm. The genius of capitalism is that it requires businesses to do good things for society to make a profit. Think about it. If you want to start a business, whether it's a dog hotel or a shoe factory, you'll have to create a product or service that helps others at a price they can afford. If you want to hire employees, you'll have to offer attractive wages and safe working conditions. Otherwise, nobody will work for you. If you want customers, not only will you have to make a good product, but you'll need to cultivate a good reputation. That means treating those customers well and offering competitive prices. In a free enterprise system, you can't make money without providing a social good. Capitalism is, by its very nature, conscientious. It turns out, then, that profit isn't selfish. It motivates us to contribute our talents to help others. ESG threatens this system. By denigrating profit, it lessens the incentive and the means to do good. Without profits, companies won't have the capital to provide jobs, 
pay investors, or fund innovation. But that's the world ESG wants you to live in, a world where profit takes second place to a preoccupation with income inequality, race and gender sensitivity, and climate alarmism. But even if you wanted to address those concerns, how would ESG help you do it? That's a fair question because there's no consensus on ESG standards. Here's a good example. Three self-proclaimed ESG watchdogs have given Tesla three completely different ratings, best, worst, and middling. In capitalism, there's a simple metric to determine success, how much money you're making. Under ESG, there's no such thing. It's a judgment call. To make ESG investment strategies even more problematic, according to Meyer Statman, professor of finance at Santa Clara University, in the long run, ESG investors are likely to earn lower after-fee returns than non-ESG investors. Over a period of, say, 30 years, those fees alone could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. So if ESG endangers profits, offers no clear metric for success, and is a mediocre investment, why is it even a thing? Well, for two main reasons. First, ESG allows people like Larry Fink, CEO of BlackRock, the world's largest investment company, to feel good about themselves. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card for guilty billionaires. They preen in the New York Times, and the rest of us are stuck with the bill. And second, it's about control. ESG enables an enlightened elite to tell everyone else how to run their companies. Submit to ESG or you won't get that loan or that investment, whether or not it's good for your bottom line and your shareholders. That's how companies and whole economies go from woke to broke, including your 401k. So if somebody tries to sell you on environmental, social, and governance investing, hold on tight to your wallet and to your values. ESG is coming for both. I'm Andy Puzder, Senior Fellow at the School of Public Policy at Pepperdine University for Prager University. Ooh. All right. Well, I feel like that is a pretty good breakdown of what it is and its agenda. Yeah, essentially, it is a power grab. And that comes, uh, takes us to our first um, question, right? What is it? It's a power grab. And it is intended, if you really think about, it is a centralization governing authority to tell commerce, which just happens to be uh what really separates the United States from many other countries is that we are an economic powerhouse. How do you force um, uh, these companies that have been driven by capitalism, driven by a strong work ethic, driven by creative marketing, um, uh, by entrepreneurs that uh, many who fear the Lord and, um, and and want to make money and expand uh, potential and opportunity to other people? How do you shove bankrupt morals down the throat of the American people? Well, um, you guessed it. You implement an idea and you attach it to the financing terms of of these ideals. And so essentially 
a lot of these big companies um, have a lot of sway, have a lot of money. A lot of the banks are involved with ESG. And essentially, your social rating credit of some sort, whatever they're using to determine how woke you are, determines your uh, financial viability, meaning if they're going to lend you money, you're standing in the public arena, and you can be making great money. You can be raising your business in a great way. You can be um, completely uh, expanding and, and providing good income to people. You can be taking care of your employees, offering great benefits. And I think most Americans would say, that's great with me. Everything else I'll take care of, right? Everything else I will be more than happy to take care of. But no, not them. You see, because to them, um, advocating for transgender rights, for the alphabet soup of life, um, and it's not just advocating, but making sure that you advocate and that you take these mandatory courses at your company so that you learn to be an ally, right? And there is diverse of equity being given. And then in addition to that, that there's inclusion what that means is only what ESG and DEI and all these things are promoting, that's what's included, your Christian morals, your uh, traditions, your values are not considered in the mix. You cannot abstain. You cannot say, I don't agree with this. You cannot, uh, it, it, it's the same thing. It's the same thing with the jab. All of this is intended to control you. That's what this is for. And most folks who have the ability to reason um, should understand this. And so what, what impact is this having right now in our society? What impact? Well, we're seeing it, right? Number one, the, the Christian voice, the traditional voice, the voice of values, of classic American values, um, the ones that that I love, the the ones that um, you would ask my wife, who became an American citizen, why she loves this country, and it's the freedom, the freedom to to work hard, the freedom to choose the company you're going to work for, the freedom to learn, the freedom to explore, the freedom to speak out the freedom to take a different position. That's why she became an American. And it's why she votes on the right. And right now, as it stands, they're taking one of our major strengths and they're demolishing it. And from the outside, some of us, we're looking at it like, why are these companies doing it? And of course, these companies aren't going to come out and say, well, you know, we're being forced. Um, they're, they're not going to say it. 
but we know what's going on and we know one by one these companies that want to pursue global ventures that want to expand that need those billion dollar loans um they better be on board or they're not going to get approved and so the cultural impact is we are being forced to accept an ideology for money we are being forced into an idea we're being forced into a conclusion are young people coming out of college do you understand how this is progressing they're 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 attacking our children and indoctrinating our children those children who've been taught globalist ideas inclusive values right and you know what the type i'm all for inclusiveness in a biblical sense diversity is beautiful god made all things diverse different colors there's male and female right there's night and day the species are so many so many different species there's different kinds of animals there's different fruits and food that's diversity but this is selective immoral diversity and you're being asked to choose the well-being of your family of your workplace right choose your job and the well-being of your family pit them against each other mm -mm. and so the impact is a compromise and it's gone so bad that now we're seeing it in the church right and so i i i have met some good decent christians fall for this diversity equity and inclusive baloney that um feels and it's all a feeling that this is the approach that we cannot pursue it with holiness, righteousness, and a biblical concept. We, we have to go and tote the line that everyone else is. And it's always from the left. Always. Always from the left. Always from the left. And it's always an advocacy of being tolerant to the left. But those of us on the right, shut up, sit down, you racist, homophobic person. So the impact to our culture and economy is that we're destroying our economy. Businesses are losing revenue. It's, it's not sustainable the way things are going, but it's okay because they're getting the loans and the loans and the loans. And at the end, when it's time to close up shop, who gets the golden parachute? Huh? Collective, who gets the, who gets the golden parachute? Is it you or me? No, we don't get the parachute. The managers don't get the parachutes. Right? The presidents, the board members, those in the higher echelon of the elite, they get the golden parachutes. This is a demonic and completely disgusting what's going on right now as we kind of go through this. And you can trace its roots back. Um, you know, one of the things that I like to do is read church history. I, I'm really into it. I went to school for it. 
I got an opportunity, um, thanks to the Lord, to to really um, get an opportunity to read theology, to understand it, debate it. Um, and I came out a different person because of it. And one of the things we get to see is a historical perspective and leading its way up to where we are now. And when you understand human nature and nothing new is under the sun, human nature is human nature. The devil has no new tactics. We get to see from a biblical perspective, this goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel, where God tells his people, hey, I want you to go and be fruitful and fill the earth and multiply. And um, King Nimrod, which means rebeller, he decides, no, we're not going to do that. It rebels against the Lord. And they build a, a tower. And really the idea behind that was consolidation. Right? It was about consolidation and control. And what people don't know about the Lord and what this government doesn't understand about the Lord and what the global communities don't understand about the Lord is that he is sovereign. And he is going to do what he's going to do. And he will leave, give you the fruit of your arrogance to give you the impression that you think you're advancing your agenda. But the time has started to tick already. And the Lord will have his way. Jesus will come back. He will rule. And every knee will bow. This is nothing new. And this is exactly what the Antichrist will do. The Antichrist will attempt to consolidate power. And that is always the angle. The angle of the enemy is to consolidate power and force. And, and I, I kind of want to park the car there for a minute because... Here's the thing. There is only one way we're going to be able to deal with this at least momentarily until Jesus comes back. And that is pushing back by A, adopting a biblical worldview, and B, using some freaking common sense, people. Seriously. How many times are you going to have to see this and wake up to the reality that you should not be going to Target and giving them your money to validate the very strategy that they're using? And this is an economic strategy. This is a spiritual and economic strategy. And you will go to Target and purchase and do all your Christmas shopping and your birthday shopping with them. Rather than doing the extra little work that needs to be done to see, hey, what, what can I buy from my local shop? What can I purchase locally? Even if you reduce your spending by half, I get it. There's some things you can only buy at Walmart, at Target. I get it. I get it 100%. And about 70 or 80% of these companies, big companies, big box stores, 
are doing this DEI ESG stuff. But think bigger. Be more tenacious. If your grocery store, H-E-B, is into this crap, buy your meat from somewhere else. Find a local farm and order your box and, and get it to your house. And, and maybe you've reduced a little bit of your spending there. Find a grocery store that perhaps doesn't support it as more local. The only way that these companies will at least feel the pinch and understand that we're not with them is by pushing back. And if you're a pastor and you get up there and you tell your congregation or write your tithe check and you don't talk about this, you're an idiot. You're just shooting yourself in the foot because at the end of the day, this impacts your congregation's ability to tithe and to give and to support the very ministry that you are entrusted with to lead people like us into truth. We have to begin adopting a biblical worldview. And well, what do you mean? We got to understand what's at play. We have to begin understanding what it means to be a Christian in the big picture, in the big stage, in the economic stage. We have to understand that when Jesus says the system, and he speaks about the system of the world and those who want to make friends with the world become enemies of God, we need to understand what he's talking about. He's not talking about the planet. He's going to save the planet. He, okay, like Captain Planet type of thing. He, he's going to come and rule. So when, when we're talking about the world, we're talking about the system that's in the world, the inclination of our sin and the enemy behind it driving those ideas, which is what? Consolidate, consolidate. And even more important, because if you told me, hey, let's do diverse equity and inclusion for moral things. And you listed a, a set of moral principles like, you know, the pursuit of life and let's ban abortion. And I think most Christians would be like, okay, DEI, woo -hoo. Right? Wouldn't we? But instead, they, they, they show this ideology where you're forced and they conscript your speech where you're forced to say to a man that he's a woman and a woman he's a man and you're forced. Make no mistake about it. If you're in upper management and someone tells you that you need to refer to her as him or him as her, and you say, I'm sorry, I will not do that, you will be fired, and you will have to choose your job or your morals, or you will be written up, or you will be, 
in some way disciplined and told that you need to get trained and retrained. You need to be brainwashed. You understand what this means? So when we think about this and we start relating what our response should be, we need to understand that the enemy will always use force. That is his tool. He's going to use force. When the Antichrist is fully functional and seated in power, it's the choice. You either get along or you out. That's it. And those are the options you have. Why? Because it's about force. If you see the false prophets and those who um, uh, promote these cults and these charismatic nuts, even that that claim to be Christians themselves, they they always use ultimatum and always use um, uh, uh, force to get you to do something. It's never the Spirit of God will convict and lead you and guide you into all truth the way Jesus said. It's always force. Husbands and wives, why are you always fighting and contentious? Because there is a sense of force of you imposing one will and a person imposing the other, and that is the first sign that the enemy is involved. Why is communism, the first thing that communism does is go after religion and faith? Because they're going to impose. They need to remove anything that shines light on what they're doing, and they impose. What is socialism? Imposition. You're going to do this for the greater good. And who's the greater good? Those on top. Because everyone else is going to be equally miserable. Equally miserable. So for us, the only option is to push back and to use common sense. And so what are some common sense? Well, we already mentioned one. One thing you can begin doing is choosing where you shop. Thinking about it, reducing your cost, save some money for God's sake. Stop buying in places that promote openly these crazy agendas. So choose not to go to Target. Choose to find local American-made products that are not in the global markets. It only takes it only takes a Google search to find them. Think about how you can be more thrifty. Think about how you can choose not to participate in this system. The second thing you can begin doing is advocating within your own congregation. Again, I'm not speaking to people in the world. If you're not a believer, then you probably think I'm nuts. And that's fine. I'm not, you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not my market. You're not the person I'm trying to reach. But if you're a born-again Christian and your pastor is silent, you know what you need to do. Get out of there. If they're doing the whole DEI thing and you need to get out. Yeah, but I've been there for a long time. Get out. They're not going to understand anything else. Go somewhere where they teach the scripture, they preach the Bible, and they're interested in informing you 
the crap that happened in the Tower of Babel and the consolidation of power, the crap that's coming where the Antichrist attempts to consolidate power, the stuff, the spirit of this age that is moving through Washington right now where they're forcing you to accept a submissive role to government, where the government can have the gall to steal elections, I said it, and make you think that someone who's incoherent can actually get more votes than the first black president of the United States. Insanity. Insanity. That if you bought it, then you're not thinking. I'm going to just be honest. You're just not thinking through. Get involved in your church and speak out. Leave your church if they're not having any form of critical thinking about these issues, choose to spend your money differently. Find alternative methods. Think through some of your purchases. One of the things that I always crack up about my wife's generation, and I always poke fun at her at this, when she goes grocery store shopping, she doesn't look at the price. She looks at the packaging. If it's purple, she'll pick it up and, oh, Hey, this is so cute, right? And she'll she'll throw it in the bin, and then I'll look right next to it. There's a white one that's packaging is not so attractive, but it's about two dollars less. And I said, why that one and not this one? Does the same thing. And she's like, Yeah, that's a good point. And so here's the thing. These are some of the the uh, unconscious decisions we make. Why this and not that? And do you have a that? Have you looked at that? Have you looked at the alternatives? Why this car and not that car? Have you thought about it? Why this provider and not that provider? These are all things that we're going to have to work through as a church if we're going to begin pushing back effectively. Now, I, I, I know that for some it's working with Target. They're losing market cap value. Budweiser, it's working. But this needs to continue. Because this is mostly people in the secular world. For the most part, Christians still have their head buried in the sand. And so we need to get up, dust our shoes, wake up, and understand what we can begin doing to make a bigger impact in this, in this world until Jesus comes. Because those are your two options. You can have your head in the sky and say, well, you know, these are things that God will take care of. Yeah. And then the ones who suffer, your kids. Meanwhile, you chose to go through that because you live in the United States right now where you still have a voice. And you are electing not to use it over this nihilist perspective of, well, you know, nothing matters anyways and, you know, it's ridiculous. We have to begin waking up to see the truth. We have to begin using common sense. We have to begin thinking differently 
in in this in this space that we're in. I'm going to close in prayer and before I do that, I'm going to play a quick announcement and I'll be right back. Hey, thanks for tuning in. You know, the only way we know you are enjoying the content is if you like and subscribe to our page. Also, if you don't mind, share with your family and friends so that they too can be informed patriots. We desire to share all things America, her faith, freedom, and pursuit of godliness. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, thanks for tuning in. You know, the only so we're way- back and now um, we're going to pray and we're going to pray for this country. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray and believe God um, that he's going to convict, encourage, promote everything that he needs to do to get us to adopt the biblical worldview, not a Republican one. I'm not a registered Republican. I'm not advocating for a Republican perspective. I am suggesting to you that we should have a biblical worldview, which is to be aware of exactly what's happening in this country and to adopt biblical values when considering the agenda that these companies are promoting. Amen? That That's, that's my ask. That's my ask for... Um, for everybody who's watching this. And so we're going to pray. And then uh, I'm going to hope that you pray along with me and pray for this country. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask for your mercy and your grace. And as we march forward and move forward with what's happening, we trust you, Lord. But we also trust what you wrote and we trust what you say. And we trust that there is a way to address this that honors your sovereignty, but also your values, your righteousness, Lord. And so we pray for this country. We pray for the church that you shake her and wake her up, that you empower us, Lord, with your word and your, and your, uh, uh, and your ability to revive us and have passion for truth. Lord, I pray at this moment, for the people who are hearing that they are moved in their hearts with absolute conviction that this is the clarion call. This is the time to push back, get involved, not be rude, not be angry, not be violent, but be adamant and as secure and as assertive as those in the world and those of the enemy attempt to be. Help us to use, Lord, all the tools that you've given us. All the tools, Lord, the sword, the shield, the helmet, so that we can prevail until you come. We thank you. We honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I hope you made that prayer with me. I hope that you you came in agreement with me and believe that God can still move mightily in this state. Do not give up to the world and to the enemy and to the agenda. 
Do not feel defeated. You are not defeated. We are the majority. And that's what, this is why they have to cheat. That's why they have to do mail-in ballots and, and all the craziness. They have to do this because otherwise they will not win. We are the majority. Do not acquiesce. Do not. Do not give up. If you enjoyed this podcast, please, please partner up with us. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If you're on Rumble, subscribe, like, put the little bell. And you'll hear a little reminder every time we're going to air something. If you're on Facebook and you're watching through Facebook, share it. Share with a friend. Let them know what's going on and what we're trying to do here. What are you trying to do here? Well, here's what we're doing. We're trying to make disciples great patriots. That's what we're trying to do. Okay? Uh, let churches do what they're going to do, but there's an area with Christians that we need to do better on, and that is making great patriots, helping you and informing you to love your country, the best way to love your country, the best way to help your country and your fellow countrymen. Remember, the Bible says to love your neighbor, and your neighbor is your countrymen, and you cannot love your neighbor effectively if you hate your country and if you're always apologizing for your country and if you have a disdain for your country that allows us the freedoms that we have today to worship our God. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. I really do appreciate you. We will be back next week, hopefully with our co-host, and we will kind of hit this subject possibly once again and go a little deeper into what ESG is and show some real visual examples of how that's being implemented in our home country, the United States of America. All right. Until then, God bless you. Love you very much. Bye-bye.